Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Travel and lifestyle writer Deborah Stone is back on Big Blend Radio today, and she's going to talk about her adventures on a wildland trekking five-day Smoky Mountains hiking experience. Wow. Five days of nature, like totally cool. Oh, cool. She's got some gardens in there. she got good food in there, so like, you know, big estates. She did like history. I mean, this is a full-on five-day immersion into one of the most naturally and culturally significant mountain landscapes in the country. I mean, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and Asheville, North Carolina. In the Appalachian Yeah, Appalachian area. <laughs> and actually getting on the Appalachian Trail, which is awesome. Appalachian. No, Appalachian. <laughs> uh, they'll throw an apple at you, remember? You know, how many guests have we had on the show talking about the Appalachian Trail? I'm, I'm, I'm in French mode. Okay. Anyway, her article and her experience will be featured on nationalparktraveling.com and also in the fall issue of Spirit of America magazine. And Debbie is a regular Big Blend expert and contributor and also radio guest. So if you go to blendradioandtv.com, uh, just click on her in our expert department and you'll see her articles and you can listen to her past interviews. But Debbie, welcome back to the show. How are you? Oh, hello there, ladies. I am doing fine. How are you? We're good. We're good, and we're excited to talk about Appalachia. Appalachia. <laughs> <know>. Appalachia. <laughs> we, had a, we had a guest, uh, Ben Montgomery, come on our show about a year ago, and he wrote about Grandma Gatewood, who walked mm. the Appalachian Trail a couple times through years. Appalachia. And she also did the Oregon Trail. <laughs> and so we're like, is it Appalachia or Appalachia? And we've had, also, Appalachia. We've had a number of guests who've actually done it, and... Um, and it, it's incredible the people have actually managed to do it and do it more than one time. And um, but uh, every time we is. ask them, is it Appalachia? They're like, no. They're if we, it's about throwing apple at you. So it's Appalachia, you know. And I you know what? Know. You're right because when I was there, it, all I heard was Appalachia. So I do believe that that's probably the correct uh, pronunciation because the locals were were saying that. Yeah. And it feels good. It's but fun it, to say. But it must be French. I don't, it could. It, you know what? Because the the cultures are so. I mean, it's it's like a landing spot. So I'm going with Appalachian. It's a blend of cultures <laughs> out there, and you got to experience the history too when you were there. Like every kind of history was out there, and natural history. And you know. And go ahead. No, I was just going to say it is one of those parks that has everything. You know, it has. World-class hiking. It has this amazing, rich cultural history and this unparalleled wildlife diversity. And, of course, this amazing uh, scenery of abundant waterfalls, this this quilt of green that all you see is green, green, green when you go in the spring. And, you know, it's just one of those places where... You can anybody can find what they want there. It's 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 really a park for everyone. Okay, but what about this? 
Okay, number one, Beer City, USA. You stayed in Beer City, USA. Okay, that's oh, your cool. starting point. <laughs> and then, and then, excuse me, what's about all these shrooms? Were you shrooming in the forest? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on out there? I know shrooming there's moonshine the out there. But what's up uh, with these mushrooms, man? <laughs> you know what? They're, our guide, Ian, uh, taught us about the reishi mushroom. I believe it's a Japanese mushroom. And it grows uh, – quite profusely in the Smokies, uh, in the forest. The fungi is attached like in this little shelf almost, and it can be different colors. It can be this orange, this caramel, this white color, but supposedly has this amazing uh, antioxidant power to it. And they say the benefits, and I was really curious about this, the benefits are like it'll slow the aging process. I liked that a lot. It will uh, reduce blood pressure it um eliminates oh, cool. inflammation um it it even um helps to prevent you know certain diseases like cancer and hmm. by detoxifying the body so it was very very interesting to to hear it to see it uh and uh, i did not taste it of course because that's you you you'd need to do something with the mushroom itself in order to make it palatable i think yeah, oh. and you got to be careful with mushrooms because you get the wrong one. If you, you know what I mean, you got to be uh, careful. You got to uh, yeah, because a lot of poison. I know some people get happy on them, but then some people get you know can die on <laughs> That's them. That's why you think you're getting younger. You just get way out there, and you're like, man, I'm young. There's um, no wrinkles. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Not that I know anything about it. No, I know, but you know, geez. But now you're talking about this guide. It seems that your guide like was the man of the hour. Like you know, or should I say, because this was a five day experience. And wildland trekking, um, I know you did this in the Grand Canyon with them, so it's not your first time with them. But I was on, you know, tagging them on Facebook, and I'm like, is this the same company? And they take people everywhere because I was looking for, you know, the Smoky Mountains, thinking it was a smaller company. And so, and then I realized, like, they take people, I mean, literally on a hike anywhere in the world. It's amazing. And I think it's such a cool experience to go on a. It's like you're immersed in it, you know. You're immersed in it, and, and, and it's safe. And and, yeah. and their guides are ama- And their guides are really top class, top rated. They're just extremely experienced, great outdoor lovers. Mm. Um, really want to share their knowledge, uh, and, and 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 you know, good leadership and fun to be with, and real people, people, people. And what is nice about this particular company is that it has a, a hike for everyone in terms of your style or your comfort level, whether you like uh, backpacking, whether you want to do, you know, a hut type of based or an in-based or lodge-based uh, experience, mm. which I think is wonderful for people. Uh, because if you don't want to back- backpack, and I'm not a backpacker, I don't mind camping, but I'm not a backpacker. And this way mm. you can just carry a day pack and then, uh, after you're hiking at the end of the day, come to a place where it's 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 nice accommodations. You have a nice bed. You have a shower. You've got food. And it just makes it, to me, uh, I don't know, a lot more doable and more comfortable in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's something, you know, there's, there's I don't know, maybe it's just because now in my 40s things changed. You, you do want a comfortable bed. I don't yes. know. But, I, but I'll still sleep on the floor, like, you know, and, and do crazy things. Yeah, but you know, for but, how many days But in there's a, a line. And I think everybody's got their thing. And if you are, you know, if you want to have that backpacking thing, that's definitely an area to do it. But to have this, this bridge, you know, where you can go out and explore all day and you're still going to get a massive workout, right? You're still really right. pushing it. You're pushing the envelope. 
and then you get to have some comfort, then that makes it a, a really cool experience for a lot of people. Okay, but now what about like physical? Like how physical do you have to be for what you went on? Do you, you know, do you have to know how to hike, um, or can you be slow at it? You know what I mean? How fit do you have you to can, be? You know, they have suggestions um, as to how to prepare if you want to train for it. Um, I think you just have to be in reasonable shape, but you have to be able to, you know, walk. Um, mm-hmm. We walked up to, you know, eight miles or so a day. But, the, you know, you're not racing. You're doing it at your pace. Sometimes people are ahead. Sometimes they're a little further back. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody kind of does it at their own pace. So I think if you can walk and you right. can, you know, walk uphill and you can carry a day pack, that, you know, it's very manageable. And uh, the, the idea is, is, is the journey and not always, you know, the, the end. Uh, it's, it's what you're doing in between. And that's what uh, mm. they try to emphasize to you in terms of, you know, take, take some time to stop and smell the roses, so to speak, you know? Okay, yeah, I want to see this stuff. I don't want to walk so fast that, you know, yeah. we've seen people right. do that. And they miss baby deers and all sorts of birds really, and caterpillars I mean, and I, fungi. You're I'm gonna just going to mosey on and look at everything. Yeah, we're slow. We're so, slow hikers. Yeah, yeah we because really are. I really want to see, you know, what I was there to see. I'm not really interested exactly. in the exercise, even though I need it. <laughs> no, but I mean, we're slow because I think it is about listening, learning. And you, you made that comment mm-hmm. in the beginning of your article, you know, it's like it's humid out there. So people should know mm-hmm. that. Um and then yeah, there's there's little bugs and stuff and yeah, um, well, they're our friends. And then <laughs> and then you're like, okay, he, he's he your guide Ian was telling you all to take a listen, stop and listen. Mm. And then right. could you hear the little mosquitoes? You know, it, it it is. I think it's amazing when somebody really tells you to stop and just just stop and listen, listen, look, mm-hmm. smell, whatever it is. But take the opportunity to to really, I don't know, enjoy uh, the, the the surroundings that you're in, and and mm. you know really take the time to do that because I think too much of the time, you know, we're just kind of like looking looking to get where our next stop is, and like you said, you just miss out on so much, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and when you're in an area like you know the Great Smoky Mountains. I mean, you're talking about biodiversity to the max. I mean, it's, it is the most popular park and, and the most visited one in, in the system. Out of all 417 parks um, or parks within the National Park Service, but I, I wanted to ask you, like, when it's that popular, how was it for you? Because we've we've done a number of interviews on the area, and there's always like, well, when to go, when to go, when it's gonna, you know. Did you find that there were so many people on the trail that you couldn't listen to things or, you know, birds because you're hearing people? What what was that experience like? Absolutely not. Um, the trails that we went wow. on, which are some of the ones that. Uh, one or two that are, you know, very common. Um, we never felt like it was packed out with crowds. In fact, there was one trail we were on. I think we only saw one or two other people in the entire four or five hours we were on that trail. Oh, and, perfect. Uh, wow. You know, I, I think the park has, the, you know, the park has some very uh, populated areas that a lot of people will go visit, one of them being Cades Cove, the very historical area. And people drive through there they or they take a bike through there. Um, but, but, you know, and there, there you might see 
more people, especially at certain times of the year, you know, when you find uh, people on vacation in the Smokies. But other than that, when you get off into the trails and you're truly hiking, you're not, you know, you're not hiking with uh, masses. It is, it is truly mm. still a very, very special experience. Cool. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. You know, and, and I wanted to say that yesterday, June 15th, was the anniversary of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park being established. Mm. And um, reading right. in your article, you got into how this got established, which I really appreciate because when you look how our national park system was actually even created and founded and it, it just like the Antiquities Act, there's all these ways and means of how this happened and it's been continuing to happen and, and some are under threat right now. A lot of our monuments are under threat. So there's, it's um, interesting to actually learn what goes into creating a national park or establishing one. So I really appreciated you doing this so that people could understand the history because you're saying this went back to the 20s. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, is, this has been going for a very long time. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, this is almost 100 Absolutely. years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. you know it has its roots back there. Even though it never it wasn't um, actually uh, opened until 1934, but the movement started back in the 20s, and uh, you know they had to really negotiate the purchase of all these these farms and these communities, and that was a real mm-hmm. slow progression. And also, uh, they had to deal with two states. I mean, the park straddles North Carolina and Tennessee, and so two state legislatures had to, uh, you know, get in on this whole thing. And, and ha- you know, many times they weren't in agreement on how to spend money, the taxpayers' dollars. And um, But also uh, one uh, individual, actually Rockefeller, was the foundation was very important because they gave, I think it was $5 million, uh, for the uh, help for the establishment of the park, which was certainly, a, a, you know, a, definitely a boon to that whole situation. But uh, it was a combination of so many different factors, uh, a very complex situation that uh, this park was created. But thank goodness it was, and thank goodness we have it because it's, you know, almost a half a million acres, and you know, it's just wow. it's it's such a huge, gorgeous, spectacular park with such diversity that you just it's mind-boggling to you. And today it's a World Heritage and Biosphere Reserve site, which that's huge. When you're a biosphere, that you don't have that many in this country. That it, and it's, Oregon Pipe right. is like that is a biosphere. And, but to be a World Heritage site, that's important too because it, not only is it the biodiversity of flora and fauna, which is intense because of all the wildflowers and the birds and the, and the, the critters out there, but right. you've also got the history of people there, which is another big thing. Yes. And I think that's something people don't realize about our national park. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds of our national park system is historic. Like when you were on the show talking about the Birmingham Civil Rights uh, National right. Trail, uh, National Historic Trail, and uh, when you think about those, those entities, but then a lot of our national parks themselves have historical parts to them as well. Absolutely, and I think the history here is very, very interesting. And as I mentioned previously in Cades Cove, it's such a cool area, this huge valley. Uh, but all these historic buildings, I think it's the most in the park that are there because it was a community there and uh, dating back to the 1800s. And so you can visit these historic uh, uh, farmsteads. You can visit these uh, churches. You can visit th- this old mill that's still standing and still operating. And it really gives you a sense of the fact that this, this was this, people lived here. People, people started this here. And so there's that real people component that sometimes we forget about when we are in national parks or when we're in wilderness. Hmm. You know, it's interesting how over, over the years 
how many sacrifices have been made by all kinds of people in order to establish our national parks, be it a historical park or a nature park. And then to find out that after all these years that possibly we didn't put enough checks and balances in so that our current administration with the stroke of a pen can change all that work by so many people for so many places for our history and nature to be protected. So it's, a, it's you know, it's something that our country needs to look at, you know, how much are we going to take, how much are we going to stand for being taken away after people who, I mean, there are people who used to live in parks that gave up their homes, with willingly or not sometimes, to make sure that areas were protected to preserve the nature and the flora and the fauna and the history mm-hmm. of this country. So, yeah, I don't get political, but there I'm <laughs> going to go there and say, you know, it's time that people really need to look at, do we have enough checks and balances in this country? And I'm just going to go out there and say, obviously not. Mm. So that's a, you know, these, a lesson. Yeah, these, these, to, it is ahead. a lesson. And these are, you know, mm-hmm. I was say, these are national treasures that we yes. need to really make a conscious effort to preserve, to conserve, mm. and all of that. Because you realize what – what gems these uh, these are and how fortunate we are mm-hmm. to have them and that so many people from all over the world uh you know come to these national parks because they are so special and they are so, each one is is so unique you know well, and, and they and generate a huge amount of income for the local community that's what i was going to say i mean because this is straddling north carolina and mm-hmm. tennessee and tennessee i mean they just had those fires and you know pigeon right. forge and mm-hmm. uh, you know that area so i'm really glad you went there because i know you were going from the north carolina side but crossed over too in your hikes but i just think it's so important that people understand that balance of of you know, even a healthy park has to have a healthy community that understands the sustainable tourism. That's what right. I love about this trip that you took. It is the ultimate of sustainability. Wildlandtrekking.com, everyone go there, because I think this is amazing. It's about getting out there, and if you don't really know about hiking, you should know, you should understand, and yet having a guide, I think, that really helps. It helps. It's like going to the visitor centers. You made a point of that in, inside your article about going to the visitor centers. I encourage people to go there as much as you can to a visitor center so that when you're hiking around, you understand what you're seeing. You understand the history. Mm-hmm. What's that flower? You know, to this day, I'm I'm learning all these different flowers. I've taken so much footage in national parks, mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of it I had no clue. You know, until like later, absolutely. Like, Call a ranger, quick, and and not everyone can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We can do it, but and, you know, like, yeah, you, no, it you know is so true. It is, it is so true. And I, I do also advocate that people, when they come to a national park, you know, stop in at the visitor center. You know, view the movie that talks about the creation of the park or the history. Look at their exhibits. Talk to the rangers. Uh, you know, mm. find out which hikes they would advise, you know, based on your ability, based on your time right. uh, and your motivation level. And then there are people who are not comfortable, uh, you know, choosing a hike. But maybe if they know that there's a ranger-led hike that they can join, that's, you know, that's a wonderful option for people because you get mm-hmm. to go with somebody who specializes in that particular region and uh, who can really enrich the experience for you. Mm. They're very kind. Well, yeah, they are. They're amazing. They're yeah. the rock stars of the park. I always call them. I mean, every time a Absolutely. ranger goes out with this, with filming and stuff, 
it's it's you we need i, I want to drive and say don't take us to the places that we have to cover i know we need to do you know the general sherman tree and the sequoias you know but then everybody clamors <laughs> on them i swear it's like madonna walked in you know yeah, <laughs> it's, right. like a, right. it's it's crazy because they have those beautiful hats with mm. a sequoia tree on them a mm. uh, uh, cone excuse me but um but it's interesting going on this trek you know you're in this you know iconic national park and what was it like in that the conversation, how many people go with you? Because isn't there a balance of how many people should go? And I think I'm thinking that people that sign up, like when you went to the Sea of Cortez on, on that boat, right? That you're right. getting people that are pretty much in, interested in what you're interested too. So it's almost probably balances out about the kind of people you're with. Absolutely. It's, it's um, as I say, kindred spirits and uh, like interests, uh, you know, in this group, uh, they usually, you know, Wildland really keeps to uh, a small, uh, nice, intimate size. We had uh, six people um, plus uh, the guide, so it was very, very small that and small. so nice because, uh, you know, you get to know people very, very, very quickly when there are just a few of them and it, you know, makes for all sorts of logistics situations to make things go so much easier. And, uh, you know, it just makes for a nicer experience. And like I said in my story, I think it's just, you know, these are people, these were strangers. And then, you know, within, Mm. you know, several hours of hiking with people and exchanging stories and, you know, hearing about what they, they know about something and you're exchanging your knowledge base, you know, you get to know them quite quite well and it really is I think it's a it's a lovely experience because like like I, I mentioned that these are people that really have an appreciation and a respect for for nature for the outdoors and they also like to be active too mm. and and having a guide um apparently he can cook <laughs> on, the, on, on the fly he can he can, cool. he can he can whip up some culinary creations I mean That's cool. when you hike I mean you get hungry, especially if you do have humidity. I mean, that just that makes you hungry. Yes. I mean, it's yes. so. I mean, it, yes. it, yeah. it does sap sap the energy, you know. And you need to, mm-hmm. you know. And he always had a bunch of different snacks, and you know, then he would just like he was carrying this like massive backpack, and then at lunch, you know, he'd like open this thing, and all the stuff would start coming out. We'd be like, "Those are pots. Those are pans. Those are," you know. It was like, oh my gosh, he's like carrying a like a mini a mobile kitchen in his backpack and then he'd, you know, whip up some, you know, wonderful creation. And, you know, it just, it, to me, it was, that was wonderful That's having cool. somebody, you know, do that. It was great. Absolutely great. And then having a, a guide where, you know, you're looking at plants and you're looking at, I mean, you went to some right. waterfalls. And so, I mean, it, this, uh, is a, this is to me like a bucket list adventure, what you went on, you know, to me, I, I just, I, I, I want to go live there because, I have a thing about the music, and <laughs> I do. I have a huge thing about Appalachian music, and I have a huge thing yes. about that area. There's moonshine history. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much. Yep. I have a thing about moonshine history, but you know, it's like, and now we have NASCAR from that. But anyway, um, and not that I watch NASCAR, <laughs> know what's going on. If they had those old cars with moonshine in the back, I'd be interested. But yeah, yeah that's, that's you cool. know. But anyway, with with where you went, I mean, you've got all these different plants because isn't it one of the most diverse wildflower parks like that we have in this country like really when it comes to vegetation yes. that it's really really yes. diverse and so can you talk to the guide and say what's that i mean i i yep. i mean i don't know how much yep. a guide can even absolutely get to know oh wow they are the, 
they they know, you know, and they also bring books along and, you know, you, they look, oh, cool. if they don't know something, they'll find out for you, which is, is, is wonderful. That's and cool. so, uh, you know, you've got somebody who's interpreting for you, which is great, especially if you're coming from a different part of the country and you're not familiar with the vegetation, the flora, the fauna, whatever it is that you're seeing um, and you're curious about it. And here's somebody who can really, you know, interpret it for you. Mm. And, you know, it, the, you took a photo of mountain laurel, and, you know, I've heard of yes. mountain laurel for years. And now I you know what it looks like. <laughs> no, but that's incredible. It's like tie-dye flowers, man. I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh. It's beautiful. You know, that is, that's, a, it is, that's insanely beautiful, this plant. Uh, like, I want, I want yes. one. <laughs> You know, yeah, and as like, you as you walk along, it's like, oh my gosh, you see, you know, all these just trilliums and violets and you know all these wild wildflowers, and it's this just mm. you know amazing amazing patchwork of of uh, color. It's 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 incredible. It's really a feast for the for the whole senses, really. You did get to see a lot of bears out in 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 uh, Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Yes, and in fact, um, a lot of them hang out at Caves Cove where uh, I was mentioning beforehand, it, there's a, a valley there, and uh, quite a few of them make their home there. And we did see them from a comfortable distance, and uh, which was good. And uh, as I was saying in my story, that's where you should stay, at a comfortable distance where they feel comfortable uh, not approaching you and you do not approach them. Um, unfortunately, as we were saying, there are people who just insist on those selfies or those uh, ridiculous situations where uh, they want to get up close and personal with the wildlife. And it's just, you know, it, it just let them be. This is, you know, their space and we need to be respectful of that. And it's also for their, their safety and your safety that, you know, you just keep a, a real healthy distance, you know? Mm. For uh, sure. Now, did you get to see deer and, and, and other kind of yes. animals? Oh, yeah, good. there were deer around. We saw lots of deer, and, you know, also there's bird life there. I'm not a huge uh, – I mean, I love birds. I'm not a, a birder where I can identify a lot of the birds, but there were a number of different types of birds. And then there's, you know, a, millions of little creatures all over the place, you know, from, you know, tiny little centipedes and, you know, all sorts of interesting creatures that are on the forest floor and uh, around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is, you know, it is a wonderful – uh, place for observing uh, wildlife, but as I said, you know, keep that healthy distance. It makes for so much of a, a, a better, healthy situation for everybody. I know it says that the Great Smoky National Park, uh, Mountains National Park, is the greatest variety of salamanders in the world, the entire yes. world. Yes, that's Shocking. crazy. I mean, I, 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 it's I, like, I would have thought it would have been like the Galapagos or something, no, right? It's the humidity. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So that's incredible. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. It's, it's it's crazy. I mean that they have, you know, that type of of uh, that distinction there. You just wouldn't you wouldn't think it at all, you know. And mm-hmm. absolutely in terms of the different types of uh, also the different types of trees, the different types of the wood, the hardwood. Um, it's it's known for that as well, you know. So people who are interested in any of that, it's a crown jewel of the the virgin old growth mm. uh, hardwood forest that you would find out east, you know. So it's 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 really wonderful, a wonderful wonderful place for everybody who's interested in anything outdoors, anything nature. Mm, I like that. And then at the same time, I mean, you, we were talking about the history as well. That you know, you you went to this old mill 
like this, it was right. at the, back in Cades Cove, the Cable Mill Historic Area. And so not only are you the Appalachian history, but you're also getting in some of the industry, but they're still using it, right, this mill? Right. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Right. Right. It still is active, and they have volunteer millers who come and uh, who are there uh, to show you, to talk to you about uh, the mills, the operation, and about mill life because they were so important to the people back then in the 1800s. It was this, you know, not only was it vital for their economy, but it also became this hub, this social hub for these towns because people would hang out there while they're, uh, uh, they're, they were having their, uh, uh, their wheat or whatever it was, or, you know, gr- their grains ground into flour or cornmeal. And so it became this place where, you know, you'd find out what was happening in town and who was courting who and all that kind of stuff. And the other interesting fact is, and I think I put it this in my story too, about the language. I mean, we have so many of these idioms and adages that come from, the mill, like uh, put your nose to the grindstone and things come to a grinding halt and milling around. And it was, it was fascinating for me to, to realize that oh. it was like, you make this connection. You're like, Oh my gosh, yeah. it's really this, you know, this historical connection with our language. It's really interesting. What about where you went to Porter's Creek and you, you said that that area was interesting because you also had churches. I mean, this isn't, something you would really think of but yeah going back to these were communities at one point and and at one point like part of the whole history of this becoming a national park was changing these communities and farms and homes and you know places into being a park so you're yeah you're in people's territory at the same time (laughs) animal territory exactly and also you see these um, little cemeteries all throughout the park and uh, they're very nicely preserved. There are people that do uh, preserve uh, the gravestones. And so you get to see, you know, you see the history, and these gravestones date back, you know, uh, you know, years. And um, you see also how hard life was because you see, you know, the gravestones that belong to children and uh, people mm-hmm. whose lives were cut very short either by, you know, the hardships of, of living in the in in this uh, rugged area, the the disease and and the lack of uh, medical supplies and and so forth. Hmm. I know the stories are there. Sometimes you'll see the children's or babies' graves in the you know died of typhoid just oh, written right. on the so on the headstone, and you're like, wow, man. Yeah, I don't. I I right. really the the baby's grave thing really mm-hmm. it it's just. It's harsh to see, you know, but it gives you a sense of what the time, what they went through, what they went Mm -hmm. through, you know. Now, were you scared of snakes (laughs) when you went out there? 
No, I really wasn't. You know, we were told by our guide. Ian told us all about the snakes, and you know, he said there are rattlers. There are, you know, there are there are snakes out there, and there are some that are poisonous, and you know, the vast majority are not, and they're not harmful. Um, it's nice once again to go with a guide because if they, you know, if you do see a snake, and we did see one or two snakes, and they were not uh, anything to be. Uh, you know, freaked out about. Uh, they were harmless, but it's nice to to have somebody say that's a such and such a snake, and you know, it's not poisonous or it's not going to you know harm you. Um, but I I'm I, you know I'm probably mildly uh, freaked out by snakes, but I've seen enough of them that uh, I I I don't feel you know I don't start screaming and and running. Um, I just kind of um, startled usually because that's what happens when you see a snake. You're usually startled by it because it usually comes, you know, it, it comes up quickly or you notice it very quickly. And, you know, you're like, oh, it's a snake. But beyond that, you know, you can look at a snake. And we did look at one and it was interesting to observe, you know, but, uh, mm. you know, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in having them curl around my arm or my neck or anything no, like that. No. <laughs> well, I just, I wanted to but ask you because I know beautiful. a lot of people are thinking of that and some people are scared about hiking because of it. And I think this is why I like this idea of going with a guide is like, because you know, if something does happen, we, I know that I, I, when we did this hiking trip in South Africa and um, this <laughs> forest, Nancy and I, and it was this milkwood forest and oh, this puff adder went Ooh. for my ankle. And Ooh. I was younger, and I hauled like you wouldn't believe. Where mm-hmm. I screamed she down, ran. and Nancy's like, "You sit down right now. You stop. You stop. Do not run because we couldn't tell. Oh. And I have bad ankles, so like my ankles do get hurt, you know, pretty fast. And it, it was like, oh, did you get did you get hit or not? Like, did they bite you? Well, it right. definitely and, struck, and, and it did strike at me. And Nancy's like, "You need to stop. You need to stop." Well, no, because uh, now, like, you know, the fear is oh in me, God. and I don't care. I'm running for the hills, only yeah. to get to this water area. Okay, mm. but anyway, I'll tell you about that. But Nancy's now stuck there, and this puff adder comes at her, raises up, but they, and its mate came out, They too. travel in twos, and, and they, this is one uh, thing I've learned about snakes. Where there's one, there's uh, usually a second one, and mm-hmm. you need to keep your eyes open. You mm-hmm. really do, and you don't want to tangle with uh, them. You just give wide berth, but... It did strike at her because you almost stepped on it. I know. And, uh, it struck at the back of her ankle. That's and why she I wear big boots. takes off, and I'm trying to get to her and tell her to sit down. Wow. Meanwhile, here comes both snakes, <laughs> and they're up, and it is amazing to me. And I, I, yeah. I learned later they can travel at more than seven miles an hour, raised up and with only about okay, 12, don't scare people. 12 <laughs> inches of their tail on the ground, and they're, like, up there, and they're don't, almost as tall as you are. And I'm scare. like, holy crap. <laughs> Because I was like, I, so I'm breaking down a limb of, of one of the trees, so I have something to yeah. negotiate with. Can I put it that way so I can make my way through? And then she ran like and hell, then, too. And, and then, you know, you get, well, then you, well, the thing with the milkwood forest, it's a whole, um, the ground is so dappled with sunlight, uh, and they look uh, just like that, that it's easy to step on one of those. But you know, you know and I finally got her so just trying to find out if she got bit or not was the like the worst thing ever. But the but the fact is and she didn't get bit, but it was close. But it it was it's, it's about being aware. If I wasn't talking so, so much, because like look at me now doing right. video, right? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I was talking too much. But my thing is, 
if you had someone there who knew what to do and right well, here's, a, right. here's a tip never let your kids walk in front of you yeah ever. be careful yeah you know ever but then but then let me just on that hike there's this bridge going over like i mean some of the hikes in south africa were we did some really <laughs> stupid things I don't, I don't, I can't even talk about walking over a rock, a rock bridge. I mean, literally rock going over a canyon with a waterfall next to it. Seriously, what were we mm, thinking? But mm. this, this same fun. hike, we ended up going on a bridge across the water, this big lagoon, mm. and it's a swinging bridge. Nancy's like, no, it's fine, no, it's fine, go. And then we just had the snake incident. Go, go, it's fine. I'm like, I don't like well, this. Well, it's the only no. way back. No, as soon as I start, I start walking, I'm in the middle of the bridge, and one of the planks fell out when I stood on it. Like, yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> this has been a great hike. Oh, my gosh. So I want to guide. That's all I'm saying. I want to guide. But, no, I, I bring right. this up because I think things do happen in the wilderness. You do need to be aware of it. And sure. it can happen. But knowledge is understanding and learning and then having people that you're with that are mm. aware and observant. Like it's good to have I think people that go on these kind of trips are already people that are observant who want to look at the flowers, right. want to look at the little critters, mm-hmm. and having a guide who knows what to do. I mean, most of the times I know that those kind of, you know, if you go with a ranger or someone with wildland trekking, that they have some kind of first aid kit or something. Right. So if something happens, they can say, yeah, that's poison ivy. You know, but if you run, without it's hard a doubt. to give you first Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. It's it's without a doubt that they that you feel uh, you just feel more secure with having that knowledge base. Uh, you know, having somebody with that knowledge base, and and you're right. They point out things like poison ivy and 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 other things that you need to be aware of. And they teach, you know, as well as leading and doing all the cooking mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. They also they are also you know uh, teachers in their own right because they are are mm-hmm. bringing to life bringing to life nature and the wilderness and giving you uh, suggestions and answering your questions. And to me, it was, that's the beauty of it because, you know, sometimes when you're hiking on your own, you're thinking, what is that? I don't know what that is. Or, yeah. or you know, what's that smell or what's that? Oh, let's you know, taste whatever it and it see what happens. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, and then you also walk by something that you think isn't that exciting and a guide will tell right. you the history or what it actually is or what yeah. it does. And they're like, wow, man, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, because you saw a lot of like little barns and, and buildings, right? And if you didn't right. know and you didn't go to the visitor center, you didn't read a book and you just started hiking, right. you know, that's a shack. Who cares, right? But meantime, and it's you know, like something from way back when. And you know that you know that that's so so particularly important when you're walking in the wilderness. But then, like you're saying, in, in buildings, for example, in uh, Cape Cove, where they have this primitive, uh, it's called the Primitive Baptist Church. And, you know, he told us, he said, now you're going to go into the Primitive Baptist Church. And he said, I want you to look at the ceiling. And, you know, he said, you're going to see handprints on the ceiling. And so we all went in, immediately, wow. you know, looked up to the ceiling. And those were the handprints of the children who were helping uh, the men at the time build and they were using a type of wood that has very sticky sap, and that's what happened. Their their handprints stuck to the ceiling, you know? Wow. Wow. How cool. That is really cool. See, you would never get to know that well, we saw, without a guy. We saw that when we were um, in Louisiana, a Kent house, a Kent plantation mm-hmm. house, in, in Alexandria, Louisiana, very interesting mm. place regarding to history. And um, it it, it was really interesting, but this plantation 
it was two sets of slaves, two sets of families, and then it went into Greek revival all of a sudden. You know, it was crazy how this right. whole place was built. But the bricks had the slaves' handprints in yeah. it. And I feel like, mm. yeah, people, yeah. take a look yeah. at that. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. but if you didn't know and you just went there and didn't You'd read never anything, even, you wouldn't right. know whose hand was what that was. You know, it could have been, you know, just. But know. you wouldn't even have seen it. No. Without it's, somebody yeah. pointing it, it out. And it's no. like a, this landmark for them to show, like, this is what happened in our history. And I think right. it's important right. to see and everything like that. Also, where fire screens came from, we always think of fire screens as for safety. But right. we learned there right. that the women used to use wax in their makeup, and it would melt mm. when they sat by the fire. So they had fire screens and fans just for to, that. Just oh, to interesting. Keep the, Heat from melting one side of their face. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I love that! I love that! I love that bit of trivia. That is so neat. Isn't that <laughs> but, funny? But that's the stuff you get when you go with a guide, or you know, that's what right. we go out. And we have it. we have some friends who do some travel writing too, and then we go out on the parks and we'll say, "You want to come with us?" Because it's always cool to see somebody else's perspective, mm. and they'll go right. with us, and they're like, right. "We want to go when you go to parks because you go with a <laughs> ranger, and then you get all these little things, these little yes. nuggets." We yes. also learned there that the women had those little curly cues hanging down in front of their ears. That was horse hair and a curling iron. It wasn't their hair. Oh, no. my gosh. That? Oh, my. I mean, so you Another melt your of... wax and your horse hair mm-hmm. curly cue <laughs> sticks to it. <laughs> Man, that place was fascinating. It must that have been was... hard to be one of those Victorian but, but I, I want to tell people, go on the Ranger programs if you can, because it's the same thing that we're talking right. about when we yeah. go with media. You know, it, you go on these programs wherever you can. Because it just, everything comes to life. History comes to life. Otherwise, history is like a, a bunch of dates, you know. Who cares about that? You want to understand the gossiping and the scandals and, you know, right. the makeup stories. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's stuff that happened that's fascinating. So you got to see the history. You got to see the, the amazing nature, go on a hike. Um, but I want to go to Asheville because this sounds like a place that I want to go hang out. Nancy and I went to Asheville over 20 oh, years ago, ago when we lived in Florida and we just did this right. road trip to see a friend of ours who lived up in Asheville and we took a look around and we went, okay, I could live here. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> and it, se- it seemed like a very diverse community, like how we are in Tucson. We have all ages and all walks of life. Right. So it's really cool. Right. And that's what it seems like for Asheville. What's it like now? You know, it is this very, I think it's a, a very cool, hip, eclectic town that's got this amazing art 92 percent of households that start the year with peloton are still active a year later 92 percent because of a bike not just bikes we also make treadmills and rowers oh let me guess for elite athletes only right nope it doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals 92 percent stick with it so can you try peloton bikes tread or row risk-free with a 30-day home trial new members only not available in remote locations see additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial with everything you have on your plate earning your degree online seems impossible But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in nursing into your busy day. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Balance online coursework and in-person, local clinical, practicum, or immersion hours as you work towards graduation while leaving room for what matters. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. This amazing culinary scene, this uh, great... uh, um, 
uh, craft scene. Then it's got also, a, you know, and then it's set in this incredible scenery. So you've got, you know, people with all these interests. Also got great music. You know, just all, all, mm. you know, different kinds of interests. And you've got old and young and, and tourists that come. And, you know, it's also got great history. And, of course, the, you know, famous uh, Biltmore uh, estate is there, which is definitely if if somebody visits Asheville, that's something that should be on their list because it really is one of those things that you have to see it to believe it. It's this crazy, crazy big you know palace castle kind of thing, um, and it's hmm. it's it, it, in this gorgeous area, uh, landscaped area that is amazing. That was landscaped uh, by Frederick Law Olmsted who, as we know, um, he did Central Park, he did Golden Gate Park, he did um, the landscape UC Berkeley, Stanford, University of Maine, the, the U.S. Capitol building landscape. I mean, he's known for being the father of, you know, American landscape architecture. And so this is a masterpiece. The gardens were a masterpiece. The, the house is crazy, crazy in terms of, of everything it had at the time. And this, particularly this library with the collection that this that uh, George Biltmore had was insane. There's like 20,000 books in there. He was this uh, a, a man of you know great curiosity and uh, knowledge, and uh, he just you know collected, collected, collected. But it is one of those things you have to see to to believe. It really is incredible. But they had the gardens too. You were talking about that in your article. Yes. That- um, to me, it, would that be good for a one-hour walk? It seems like you could have many one-hour walks. I mean, definitely yes. Smoky Mountains for sure, but the gardens yes. seem like they, they have their own forest. Like yeah, forest. They like, have they have their own, and, and and they have you know the the, the whole uh, place you know acres and acres and acres and you can actually do all these things like you know you can go cycling on these paths you can take segway tours you can take horseback riding you can uh, kayak down the river wow. and paddleboard and so you can do all these uh, things and from what I understand people who live in Asheville they can you know pay to have like a pa- yearly pass and come to just use the the you know outdoor facility and you see a lot of people who are coming just to walk the trails, to hike the trails, Yay. to ride their bicycles. So it is, you know, something not only for tourists, but the locals can, can really, uh, you know, take advantage and enjoy that, that property as well. And there's wine. Cool. Yeah. That's important. <laughs> you know we always we have, have to have our that. wine, <laughs> especially oh, now. Yes, I'd like some antler, wine now. Thank yeah. you, Internet. Yeah. <laughs> Antler, yes, thank you, thank you. But I think it's called the Antler Hill. But they have uh, you can go and taste uh, wine there, and uh, they they handcraft them there. And uh, so yes, it's what you know. It's it's the place that you know you can hang out and spend the entire day after you've toured and walked and hiked and wine sampled. And there's restaurants and you know it's 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 kind of like its own own destination in itself. You know. And the lodging you stayed in Asheville, um, you stayed in a couple. You you, it was a five day trek. But you stayed in two right. different um, properties, right? Right. We we stayed in um, for the first two nights. We stayed in one in uh, Townsend, Tennessee. Um, it's uh, called uh, Dancing Bear, the Dancing Bear Lodge, and they have these beautiful, beautiful cabin accommodations, and uh, you know, I, I, just very comfortable, wonderful beds, just. Uh, a great uh, bistro there, a lovely little like kind of oasis, uh, very very nice. Mm. And then the other one was in uh, 
North Carolina on the other side in Bryson City, and that was the Everett Hotel, and a really nice historic property that had been uh, renovated. It used to be a bank building dating back from the early 1900s, and they renovated it, and it's, uh, it has this you know, wonderful rooftop terrace, a great bistro as well. Um, you know, it's so, so that they, cho- they ch- this company chooses wisely and chooses really nice properties to stay in. So, you know, after hiking and you're, you know, sweaty and you come back and you come into this charming property and it's just, you know, it just is, is wonderful. It makes you, makes you feel good, really feel good. Oh, I like that. I like that. Now, would you go back? To, oh, my gosh, this area? of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know what? There's just, I mean, the park is so vast. It's so many places. I mean, they have, they have what I think it's over 800 uh, established miles of trails and, and uh, you know, it's just, it, it, you, you could hike and hike and hike and hike for, you know, months and months and, and never finish, you know, all the trails. It's just, I think it's the diversity, as we we're saying, is so amazing that, you know, I could pick a different part of the park. I could, you know, go back and do some of my favorites. I could uh, hike part more and more of the Appalachian Trail, which uh, we hiked a, a section, just a small section of, but was wonderful just for the aspect that you're on this fabled trail that you've heard so much about and uh, that, you know, mm-hmm. runs all the way from uh, Georgia to Maine. And you're meeting people who are doing pieces of it, all of it, whatever. And it's just, I don't know, there's another piece of history as well, you know. Oh, there's so much. I, I want to go really bad. I really, really want to go there. And Nancy and I have been mm-hmm. talking about that. Okay, before you go, though, Smoky Mountains, tell everybody how it got its name. <laughs> well, it refers to that, I, I think I said it was a natural fog that kind of hangs over the the park, basically. And it, it, it really has this kind of bluish, um, which is probably where they got the Blue Ridge Parkway from, but it's this blue smoke plumes. And uh, it's for supposedly the scientific definition or the reason is it's the result of these, as they say, a collective exhalation of organic compounds by the forest vegetation. Mm. <laughs> so the plants breathe out. Yeah. Yes. yes, the creatures they inhale, exactly. they 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 inhale all our garbage, <laughs> and then they exhale, and there you go. Yeah, so it's it's clean. Yeah, and we need it. Yeah, I like this. Yes, we yes. actually need and it's, it, and it's to very, survive. And it's on such this a lovely, planet. and it's this bluish bluish color. I mean, it really is is very cool. You can look at it, and you're looking at these these panoramic pictures in this in the distance, and you see this kind mm. of blue, a little bit of blue haze to it. And mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's it's beautiful. It's what it's what mm-hmm. the Smokies is is known for when people talk about it, you know. So everyone, uh, Debbie's article, again, will be in the fall issue of uh, Spirit of America magazine and on nationalparktraveling.com. And if you go to blendradiontv.com, you can see her in our expert department and get her articles and interviews there. Uh, But before you go, Debbie, where's next? Uh, Bhutan. Oh, excuse us. (laughs) Well, you're going to get some humidity there, too. (laughs) It's like, wow, that's amazing. So Bhutan, yeah, I'm headed, huge. I am headed, uh, you know, it's supposed to have the, what is it, the Gross National Happiness Index Factor there. Uh, it's a, a Buddhist enclave in the Himalayas, and I've been to Nepal, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and I have had the chance to, to go to Bhutan and to see some festivals, which I'm very excited about. Uh, oh, so that cool. is my, my next trip, and I will I will definitely uh, share that experience. Awesome. Now, listen, I know how you get at these festivals, like Mardi Gras and Mobile. Yeah, and everyone, <laughs> that article will be appearing next week in our Big Blend Radio and TV magazine, the summer issue. Mardi Gras and Mobile, 
You know, here she is yeah. hiking through, you know, the Smoky Mountains, having this beautiful nature trip, but you put her around beads and a festival, oh. and Debbie goes wild. So, Debbie, um, <laughs> be careful in Bhutan. Like, you Debbie know. does Bhutan. I know. Debbie goes wild in Debbie Bhutan, Bhutan, you know. <laughs> I can see this. She's going to be lighting fireworks and getting on dragons or, you know, something's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to hear about this experience, Debbie. Uh, but I want to close okay. with a song for you. Because you are out in, in, you know, Appalachia country. And yes. this song yes. is, is from, it's called My Belle Cherie. It's an old school song that a lot of people in the Appalachians uh, area would, yes. would play. And it's off of an album called Backwoods Glance. So I thought that made sense. And it is from nice. a band called Blind Lemon Pledge, mm. and which is really a name for James Byfield. He's, he's the musician on this with his friends. And... Um, they just won two awards at the Indie Music Channel Awards, uh, Best Americana Song for the Hills of West Virginia and Best Gospel Song for Give Me, uh, Give My Poor Heart Ease, excuse me. And uh, But I wanted to play this because you're also talking about um, Asheville being like, you know, the the city south of, they, they called it the city south of um, Paris, too. What's, I'm, I'm going right. to get that one right. Yeah, so... You know, to me, at this point, like a little Appalachian music and a little Paris is perfect, perfect Friday. Friday. So here it is, everybody, my Belle Cherie. Thank you so much. Debbie, take care. All right, thanks, ladies. All right, till next time. Bring those those beads back. All right. (laughs) Here it is, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, my Belle Cherie. My Belle Cherie.
bright new Pontchartrain It's small and kind of noisy But we'll love it just the same We'll hang our wedding photos By the bedroom door My belle Cherie, you are the one I'm yearning for My belle Cherie Toujours l'amour Petite amie Je vous adore Meet me down By the old barn door With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in nursing into your busy day. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Balance online coursework and in-person, local clinical, practicum, or immersion hours as you work towards graduation while leaving room for what matters. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.